You are listening to Moisture Festival Podcast. Welcome to the Moisture Festival podcast. I'm Louis Fox. I'm a comedy magician, and I also am a performer at the Moisture Festival. Yes, you are, Louis Fox, and I am Matthew Baker, and I perform a comedy juggling show at the Moisture Festival and all around the world. And if you're new to this program, welcome. We're glad you're here. We have awesome conversations with performers and volunteers and all the people that make this festival possible. The Moisture Festival normally happens in the months of March and April, And if you are listening to this during the festival, be sure to get tickets now because 95% of the shows sell out. Absolutely. Also, be sure to sign up for their Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube because they do shows throughout the year. They do fundraiser shows. They've been doing some virtual shows. They do a New Year's show. So be sure to check that out so you can get updates on everything that is happening in the moist world. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Now, on today's podcast, we have Scotty and Katrina who are comedy industries. Yeah, they are awesome. We are on location in Berkeley, California, recording this, and they joined us, and we talked about all things comedy, pretty much. (laughs) It gets pretty uh, nuts and bolts about what they do, where they write custom scripts for trade shows, uh, some funny instances that they've had in their career at fairs and festivals, maybe the greatest heckler story you're ever going to (laughs) hear. And it was awesome to have them both on the program. Let's get to it. Let's do it. Our guests on this episode have entertained audiences all over the world with their hilarious combination of comedy, juggling, unicycling, and whip cracking. They have opened for numerous headliners, including Kenny Rogers, Kenny Loggins, and Willie Nelson. They do a bit of everything. They are corporate presenters, after-dinner speakers, game show hosts, and were even in a Primus music video. They specialize in custom presentations for trade shows and have performed over 500 corporate presentations in 25 different countries. Let's welcome Scotty Meltzer and Katrina Spong-Henson. Today is any of it true? Did I say the name? That was good. Yes, that you was, told that me like was four times good, ahead of time, and it, I still that was sort as of, good as it gets. Uh, so you, thank you so much for coming and uh, being on the podcast. Now you, you're the company, the sort of umbrella company's comedy industries. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like you specialize in trade shows, right? Yeah, trade shows, sales meetings, just mostly customer written stuff. Is okay. what we do now mostly. And so a company comes to you and says, "Hey, we have this." You know, we're doing a presentation at this trade show. We need you to hawk our product or get people excited about exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. So basically, it's a combination of what we grew up doing, which was, you know, some version of comedy. And then very often it involves juggling. But nowadays, not a lot of them don't involve juggling anymore. But then it's, it's we write what will be ordinarily considered you know, a little nerdy, boring stuff into a format that's hopefully funny. Ah, so you're doing more just speaking than like your... Well, we started as, you know, there's a thing called a trade show magician. That's like a, a normal thing. There's lots of guys who make their living as trade show magicians. We made our livings for a while as trade show jugglers. Um, every juggler gets like, does at least one trade show. We just mm-hmm. did a lot of them. And then uh, as it went, you know, we 
we come back and say, well, we did juggling last year, so we'll do something else this year. And then we started doing so many things that weren't juggling that we now have clients that when we pick up something to juggle, they're surprised. We, go, we didn't know you <laughs> Whoa, did that. Wow. We've never seen you do that. I go, it's all we do. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. And so these people, you do a six to 12 minute variation of your longer show or is it? it no, it's more, it's more custom written than that. It's more, we take something from our show and cram it into a speech that we write rather than we r cram a speech into something we already do. Okay. But it's, what's also what has also happened is that a lot of the formats that we will do in the sales meeting trade show format don't exist in our regular show. <laughs> so if people book us to do an actual act in a theater or after dinner what's show, what's the <laughs> Oh yeah, that. Uh, then they won't see those bits from the trade yeah. show because they're written for that. They function in that environment. And they serve what those types of clients. What happens like. if you write like a really killer bit for HP, and you're like, man, we could probably do that bit in our I, regular show. I, I think I think this bit where I sell printers <laughs> is yes. going to fly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> is, they, they've definitely gone in both directions. Yeah, we don't have any we don't have any exclusivity things, but we were we were hired we were called for a very big event. We really wanted to do for the biggest competitor of our currently biggest client, and we thought we could do it like in a small thing. But this was like main stage, really representing them. We thought. This is not a good idea. So we called the first client and we said, how do you feel about this? I know that we legally don't have to ask you, but if you're uncomfortable with this, we're not going to do it. And they mm -hmm. said, we're, not uncom we're uncomfortable with it. So we didn't do it. Six months later, they bought that company. Oh, wow. <laughs> and we were like, why do we get to do the show? Because if, if, if you had done the show, they would have blown up and they would have <laughs> they yeah. been yeah. they they the, the sales would have gone through the roof. <laughs> yeah. It would have never been for sale. Yeah, they should have given you like a retainer or something, something. on that, right? Yeah. That's brutal. Yeah. All right, so we've established that you both are comedy jugglers. Yes. Uh, on a good day, on yeah. On a good day, yeah. So <laughs> Which is another way of saying we're not good jugglers. <laughs> yes. And that we're not good that's, comedians. I don't think that's true. You guys are so, we, you we are not good enough to be either one of them alone, but together we are solid. <laughs> There's so, something. Yeah. So did you both come from a duo background or... Yes, that would be accurate. We both we both very much came from... from uh, duo acts. I came from an act called Grin and Barrett, with, where I performed with Mitchell Barrett for 17 years. Wow. And Scotty worked with every p juggling partner there was in San Francisco <laughs> and, and destroyed all their lives and their dreams <laughs> until I met Katrina. How did you manage through that? What was the endure? How did you I'm endure? A saint. The yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, no. Everyone <laughs> says that about you. It does come up now and again. <laughs> Scotty likes to give notes. Yeah. <laughs> but I, but I, no. In all seriousness, one of the things that happens when you work in a duo, and you, Matt, know that being in a duo act is it's you know it's it, there's a lot of similarities to a marriage. Yeah. And we both believe that we have become better partners to each other than we were to our previous partners because we learned. Uh, we learned what, what you should and shouldn't do when you work that closely with someone. There are things you can't unsay. Yeah. And you're going to disagree at, in a duo act. I mean, you're, you're, your lives are entangled in this crazy way. I mean, you have to decide where you're going to live together. You know, when, when you get an offer to gig that is six months or a year and one of you wants to go and the other wants to stay home, I mean, it's... Your, it's tough. Yeah, your lives yeah. are entwined in this incredible way and you're going to disagree. And how you go about that, um, I mean, basically, m my first partner, John Park, I mean, we basically inflicted our adolescence on each other. <laughs> you know, and 
you know, eventually you, maybe you learn from that. <laughs> <laughs> How much of your arguing is just about wording of jokes? Is there anything else to argue about? <laughs> all, all, all of it. Oh, oh, we, we, but no, we have techniques, and I, I, we have techniques, and we, we are, we write scripts all the time. Mm. So, so boy, do we have a lot of wording choices to disagree on. I mean, a lot, because unlike most acts that will go out and do the same act, we have to do it. Not, different. it's not, it's not a lot. It's a bunch. We have a bunch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, this is exactly what I'm talking about, children. <laughs> She is a saint. <laughs> we we definitely when we write the script we have some techniques. Like one of them is whoever do, how much do you care? That's how we do it. So we you, you, there's not going to be agreement a lot of the time, and then it's who, the person that wins is the one who cares the most, and that's uh, and, and we we agree on this concept, and so you have to let go sometimes and say okay you care more than me all right you win, and you don't have to convince the other one. Nope. You don't have you don't have to agree with them. You know, so we both, when, when we're disagreeing about something, you know, we, we give our reasons and at a certain point, it's like, okay, I still think you're wrong. Yeah. You know, which way are we going to do it? And, you know, one of the rules was whose line is it to say in the show? Whoever gets to say, whoever's saying it in the show gets, you know, uh, wins yeah. the other one and who cares more? Yeah. yeah. And who cares more is a really, really weird thing because you can just abuse it and you just have to have the good faith that you don't. Yeah, but it's got to feel good when they they get the joke and then it tanks. And you're like, <laughs> it's the and you're best. Like, oh, oh, I oh, knew it. Oh. I so knew. We live for that. Yes. We live for it. And what, Definitely live for that. And what and what you want to do is you want to you want to just, just smile on stage and say nothing. Just know that after the show you get to do it. But that's not what we do. We just stop the show right there and go. Told you. Yeah. Yeah. Play <laughs> with just, it. Stop it right there. Or take out your notebook and just cross it off. <laughs> just oh, take out so that great. piece of paper and crumple it up. Crumple it up. Oh, now, how, did you, how did you even get to being performers? Like, I know you, you're from Denmark. and Well, I mean, for me, it was... It, 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 I think very most people that fall into this line of work, it's so often a coincidence. I mean, for me, <laughs> it was... Oh, I'm sorry, were you talking? I'm sorry. Are you chewing M&M's? Is that what you're doing? I didn't think about that when I bought it. I'm like, I, I'm, I'm choosing Freak. very loud. Yes. <laughs> oh, so that the margarita man. machine was a bad idea. Mitchell, where are you? Come back to me. Mitchell, Mitchell, I miss you. I miss you so much. Anyway, so my previous saintly partner, Mitchell Barrett, uh, I met him. I, I was traveling through America when I was 18, had just taught myself how to juggle, and I bump into a pro juggler. And if it wasn't for him, I would never have become a juggler. Oh, wow. I, I met him. He got me going, and he was like, oh, yeah, let's do an act together. And that's how it started. And it was just, and I was like, I fell in love with San Francisco. So I was like, okay, I'll move to San Francisco. Let's try it out. Let, let me check this out. And how and old were you at the time? Well, I was 18 when I first met him, and then we traveled through Europe when I was 19 for a couple of months, started doing street shows in Europe, and then I moved here when I was 20. Right. And then I just never went back to Denmark. It was not the path. I was on a path to going into academia. That's what my parents were doing. I was not on this path. No. So, you, so when you start, so you were like, you're like 18, 19, you start doing the show, and like you haven't stopped doing the show since then, right? Nope. So you never went to college? Nope. So 
I know more than you, and so therefore I'm right and get to win the arguments, right? Because I was in college for six years. But how many languages do you speak? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, I'm going to lose this so bad. It's male and so self-righteous <laughs> and white. What's new about this? I don't know. Oh, um, gosh. Short and overcompensated? <laughs> oh, yeah, that. Also. English, Danish, German, French, well, I can, Swedish. I, I can understand Swedish. Swedish and Norwegian, so it's a little bit of a cheat yeah. because uh, being Danish means I can understand Swedish uh, and Norwegian, so it's kind of a, it's a cheat, yeah. but six. Yeah. You? One. <laughs> <laughs> and how much college debt did you start with? I didn't get, I had no college debt uh, because, well, two things. One, because I'm really old, so I went to college before it was super expensive, uh, but the other thing was I worked my way through college as a juggler. That's uh, how I started. Um, and by the time I graduated, it just was my full-time job. So I never had to make that decision that a lot of, uh, a lot of performers, you know, are, they have a day job and then they're working on their act, especially stand-up comics. Comics, mm -hmm. it's universal. Everybody has a day job. And you can't travel when you have a day job. Therefore, you can't become a pro. So you have to, you have this horrible breaking point there where am I making enough that I can quit the job and therefore make more or not? I just never had that. When I was making no money, I was, I was still in school when I was crappy and you know, we were doing street performing and making $4 in the hat. Mm -hmm. uh, but by the time I graduated, it's like, well, I'm booked. And I've, yeah. you know, I've just never not been booked. So I never decided not to have a job. I never decided to be a street performer for my whole life and a juggler. I just always been booked. <laughs> I just never stopped. It's <laughs> amazing. Yeah, and now I look back and I go, well, I mean, I guess if I had to fall back on my, on one of my degrees, I could make balloon animals for a living. Yeah. But... You know, so but it's the only thing I've ever done. I think so. I think times are changing, though, in that format where you have to choose between the day job and going on the road because a lot of people can work remotely. Like we have a comic friend, Ed Hill, okay. who pre pandemic worked remotely and then was on the road. Oh, that's yeah. great. Yeah. That's, that's great. amazing. That's amazing. That's, that's great. So the ultimate double dip. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, is, do you guys meet at uh, Pier Thirty Nine? Is that where the two of you met, doing your yeah. separate yeah. Yeah. separate duos, and you caught eyes, and we're like, "Well, what happened was before Katrina was like working full time with Mitch, she saw, um, she like saw John and I performing together, and thought we were like the best thing in the world, and saw me up there and just said, "That's what I want." <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And then, <laughs> and then it went downhill from there. And then there. you met him. <laughs> oh, oh. Now, did you both happen to be, like, not having a partner at the same time, or? No, we, we overlapped. What happened was I had started making the transition. So I worked with uh, John Park as the American Dream comedy team, the American Dream vaudeville team, and the American Dream juggling team. Those were the names I remember. Then I worked with Rich Ross as Monkey Wrench, the comedy explosion. I think I worked with John for like 11 years and then Rich. When Rich and I broke up, so Rich and I were all, John and I did some corporate stuff, some trade shows, not a ton. We did more like fairs and festivals and some trade shows. Then Rich and I did a lot of trade shows. When Rich and I broke up, I had to keep doing that. And so I didn't, we didn't become partners first. Is I had, a, Comedy Industries was a company and I worked with, you know, Katrina and Katrina and I and Bob Mendelson did a show together and I worked with Sarah Felder on some shows. Um, I worked with Tim Kelly a bunch, so like that. So we started as she was still working with Mitchell doing their regular act and only did corporate stuff with me. So she, oh, so she so, was moonlighting on the act. Yeah, she was yeah. cheating on Mitch with me doing <laughs> yeah. trade shows. 
Um, and then Mitch's warranty ran out. Um, and the first time we performed together was she was filling in for Sarah Felder, who couldn't do the gig because the gig was on Rosh Hashanah. Ah. And so that was, if you, you, that was me rolling my eyes. <laughs> if you hear the sound of it, it goes, um, We did a show in <laughs> Reno, and we drove up. This was the first time we worked together, and it was like a four or six hour drive, and at the end of it, I was just in love with her and said, this is what I want to do. I just want to work with you. Then he outed me on stage. Yeah. Oh, in your first performance together? Our very first performance together. (laughs) This is one of my favorite Scotty stories. So since then, when we do our act, we actually play married, but Mm. you know, in real life, I'm gay, and and the way up there was, at that time, I was single. That explains so much. So I'm sitting on the, and I was complaining about never getting any dates, and this is in the 90s, you know? So being out gay was just not mm. possible. And not in Reno in front of an audience of old Italian ladies. <laughs> so Scott, we end our first show together. After me, I say, nobody, I can't find any dates. I don't have anybody to date. Scotty goes to the audience. He looks out of them and he goes, you know, everybody thinks when you're a guy-girl act that you are a couple and that you're married. Um... Uh, nothing could be further from the truth about us. And, you know, you're on, we're on the road, so, you know, we get lonely. So if there are any single ladies out there who, are, who you know, would like to meet up, Katrina is available. Thank you very much. <laughs> Good night. That's great. And I, my jaw dropped. The audience laughed. They think, of course it's a joke. And the nice little blonde girl, of course, she's not gay. Boo. But... Two women came up and asked me out. Hey, hey. <laughs> and I was like, That's that the best little, wingman ever. That little Scotty guy, he's got something he's got going something on there. here. Yep. Not a bad performer, and he got me uh, exactly. you know, give me some numbers. Exactly. <laughs> he's old timey Tinder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but you do, you still play that you're a couple on stage now? We play that we are a dysfunctional married couple on stage, which is really fun yeah it really i really enjoy it and it is really strange because it it puts like a ceiling on on our career i mean that and our lack of talent Mm. but if we were to have a chance to to become bigger it would be so weird because everything in the current sort of vibe of comedy is being self-reflective honesty yeah it's it's, it's it's not having an act it's that you have to have the, the pov is that you you know you put all your emotions yeah. and your These are my stories. Yeah. out. Yeah. And although the stories are, are you know, often true and you know, they don't have to have every detail, but the light, when you make a joke nowadays about my kids, you have to have kids. Mm. You don't go to, well, it's just a joke. And our structure of our act is completely untrue, except for the fact that everything in it is true. Yeah. <laughs> because the actual relationship we play is really close to the actual mm. relationship we have. Yeah. And, and with about the same amount of sex as an old married couple. <laughs> yeah, so it's, exactly. like, it's not really <laughs> very that honest. far off. <laughs> Have you ever played with the idea of just playing? Um, we used to. For, I mean, for that years. That was how it started? Yeah. That, oh, for okay, years, we gotcha. didn't. And, and then in corporate, we don't. Yeah. We also don't play married because it's not about us. Uh-huh. So it, it's a whole different bowl of wax. But when we do our act, we do. Because we realized it was so close to what we were. And the emotionality of that is much more interesting to the crowd. That tension. If you're just two best friends who razz each other, and especially in your guy and a girl, people don't understand that yeah, relationship. Yeah. They don't relate to it the way they relate to a married couple. 
And it was Dan Holzman who suggested this to us. He didn't say that we needed to be married, but he saw our act and said, you need to define the relationship because we don't know, you know who you guys are. Are you married? What is this? And we specifically didn't. And we argued back saying, you don't have the, the if, if we were two men on stage, they don't have, you don't have to say, well, were they brothers? When did they know each other? All you have to do is, well, it's two guys. They're, they're a partner act. Yeah. Who cares? Um, and we completely disagreed. And then we tried it. And it was immediately better. Ah. You agreed with Dan Holtzman? No, no, we totally disagreed with him. Uh, he was just, but he was just, just right. right. <laughs> we were wrong. That's all. <laughs> I, I said I disagreed. I didn't say I was right. <laughs> okay, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, and it led it the it led to lots more interesting jokes, um, and it made it it just made it so much more relatable and, and fun. And one of the things for me that amuses me a lot is that there are routines from our show and jokes from our show that are forty f- years old. You know, that are jokes that John Park and I did as two young men you know, competing for attention from the audience. That we do almost word for word the same as a married couple. And I think that's amazing that it turns out that what John and I actually wrote was a, was a show about two gay men and we just didn't know it. <laughs> <laughs> there's still time. Yeah, there's still time. <laughs> but yeah. But hang, I, hang on, in this other room. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> we have a surprise. Right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, it's more understand, it, it makes all of the conflict deeper and it, te- it tells this story that if you look at it, you go, the, the, the characters are not getting along. You know, the characters are fighting constantly. For these characters to fight constantly, the actors who are playing these characters have got to be in love mm-hmm. to be able to do that. They have to love each other. And that model is exactly what a husband and wife doing this stuff together would be. And the life that we have of, you know, the amount of time that we spend together on the road you know, and we do go everywhere together. And we do, you know, when we're on the road, we have dinner with each other every night. When we're yeah. home, we visit each other. It's yeah. really weird. Yeah, we have very <laughs> weird healthy. duo act that way. I mean, we actually socialize all outside of doing oh, our wow. act. Oh, wow. Yes. Yeah. Yes, no, yes, I know. Yeah, I yeah. know how weird. Like now, a we, lot. We, yeah, we really like hanging out. Do your significant others? Yes, we're yes. both cool? married. Both married. Yeah. Both married. And, and our, they're cool with totally, the amount. Totally. They're not like, what the, what? I don't um, understand. Both our wives are tremendously introverted, and we are like golden retrievers. Ah. So my wife is just fine when I leave the house. To <laughs> so COVID be has been, been hard for her. It's, it, it's been an, a learning experience. <laughs> the high pitch. Yeah, having us home all the time. Yeah. 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 Now, uh, you, do you do drumming in your show ever? Because I know you're a professional drummer. Uh, yeah, no, not really. And here's the oddity. Of it. I mean, we, we've played with it, and but the funny thing is that Scotty also played drums oh, in, yeah? in high school. So he's actually got some real good... He's got r- some chops? R- yeah, he's got some chops. I, I'm definitely a better drummer now because I play professionally now mm. and Scotty gave it up. But, but the routine that we do do that has the most drumming, you're the one playing the drums. Oh, nice. So, so we have a little drum, but we haven't really incorporated it in, in like a, a set or anything. Or we want <laughs> you don't do a drum solo in the <laughs> middle. You <laughs> want to do like let, a let me tell you about let me tell you about <laughs> <Okay>. HP. <laughs> <laughs> we there was a point though where we were hi- hired to do one of those. Uh, a company said and they said we want to do something like a Blue Man Group. Oh, that's um, right. You know what can you do for us? And we 
gave them a pitch with drumming and stuff like that, you know, and, and, and visuals. And they said, yeah, we like that, but can you make it more like Blue Man Group? <laughs> <laughs> and so we... We want you to use paint, and, you know, you could be painting. You could be blue. You could be blue if you wanted. We, said, we said, well, we, can, we can't do that, but we could do, you know, we can do something like this where uh, we've got... Th- Three, char- three characters, they're, they're dressed in different colors, the drumsticks match them, and as they're doing it, they'll do these sort of drum core things that move, and the sticks move around and change colors, and at the end, it's all back together, and we'll do a screen behind it with your messaging in different colors, and the messaging will move along with, oh, with the cool. sticks, like that. And they go, we like that, but can you make it more like Blue Man Group? <laughs> and eventually, we said no, because we didn't think it was a good idea to do Blue Man Group, because there's a Blue Man Group. And then they hired someone to do Blue Man Group. And not only was it terrible, but they were directly across from Intel, who at the time, on their ads, had the real Blue Man Group. (laughs) Sometimes there's a little bit of cosmic justice like that. But overall, it's it's kind of a shame that we haven't incorporated drumming more. I mean, in the corporate world, it's hard to do, especially if you're doing trade shows because the noise. Yeah. And... There's one other thing. We have so much gear to haul around already, and drums is so gear intensive that I think that has, you know, stopped us a little bit from... Yeah. We have worked on a couple of them, though. Yeah. Like we've, we've, we've performed a couple of drumming bits. They just haven't stayed in the show. Mm. And there's a, there's a particular drum-like prop called a cajon, which I'm still fascinated by and want to do something with, but we haven't done it yet. Um, speaking of, by the way, cosmic justice with this, would you tell... The other cosmic justice story, please, because it makes me happy to hear it all the time. Oh, oh, oh the, the, the yes, Heckler story? Oh, yeah. Oh, we, we can segue into that, I suppose, because <laughs> everybody in this room and hopefully in the audience would appreciate a good story of Heckler justice. <laughs> sure, sure. So we were doing a fair uh, some years ago, and in the fair we had two really drunk hecklers. And they're swearing and cussing, and you know how that goes. There are children there, and it's getting uncomfortable and hitting them back. But, you know, the children, and they yeah. walk up. I say to them on mic, look, please stop. They're children here. Let's just yeah. you know, not do this. And they continue. And so this show did what the show did, and we finished. And we, we were in a tent where the alcohol was being served. So Always a good idea. Always great. So the two people uh, uh, in question walk up to get alcohol. Now, of course, everybody has seen what they do, and they deny them drinks. To because which they heckled our show, and, and, they, <laughs> oh, wow. and the yeah. bartender people there... Realized you know, how had, drunk they were. And had watched, you know, we'd been there performing for a week, and so they, they knew us, they liked us, and you know, so they stopped them from drinking, which was the first piece of cosmic justice. And then uh, they get very belligerent, They call, and the bar people call over security, to which the drunk people pull a knife on security, and the security guy goes, calls whatever code that is, and cops come in. And pull them away while we're watching. <laughs> and this we is go, all during your show? Finally, no, 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 at the end of the show, finally, someone who heckles our show gets hauled off to jail. <laughs> this is so great. Oh, the, the enormous joy we felt at that moment. I'm guessing this is Alaska. No, no it was, was Cloverdale. Cloverdale. 
Cloverdale. Cloverdale. It's Cloverdale. Where's, Cloverdale. where's Cloverdale? There's a, there's a little fair, three-day fair. That's amazing. Like two <laughs> yeah. hours from here. Did they ever come back to a show like three years later? Like, I've reformed. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I'm so sorry. This is, I've had to make amends. They called us up oh. to, do, to do step four. Yeah, I had to write that. you a letter. I need my no. coin. Yeah. <laughs> well, what's, uh, speaking of like hecklers, like um, the first time I ever saw Scotty perform was at the World Hacky Sack Championships. Oh, in really? The oh, yeah. Year well, Tim Kelly. That was so fun. It might have been 2000. Yeah. And um, so Tim Tim Kelly, who used to work or still does, uh, yeah, he was yeah. a he's a juggler, you know. I, Tim. Oh, very. Well, he he's a juggler, and he's house. you know he was like a footbag hacky sack hero for me growing yeah. up. So Stickman, right? The Stickman. Yeah. yeah. Real quick, are you a footbagger too? God no. Okay, <laughs> you were just performing at the World Footbag um, Championship. Uh, Tim was hired to be the MC. Yeah. Tim and I were performing together at the time. Both Tim was doing trade shows for me, and then he and I were doing an act together. And yeah. what was the act so, called? Well, he was Simmons performing Scott. under the umbrella of comedy. Oh, industry. okay. Oh, oh so it, was, it wasn't like I don't remember. The, I'm sure he had a name. He still works. American for our duo, American, American dream yeah. of yeah. Stickman. You didn't. You never had a name. He performed. No, name? it was as okay. Comedy Industries, and it he, wasn't. We, it was kind of small. Show was Comedy Industries. Yeah, yeah, and we hire him. We yeah. still yeah, hire yeah. him all the time, yeah. and we still both perform yeah. with him. Yes. So the name of the act should have been was Small Blind and Big Blind, because they play. They're poker addicts. But Tim brought in a bunch of people like Paul Nathan. Yeah. Scotty, like, I think Dan, Dan, Dan Holden was there. Were there. Yeah. And they, they would perform in between the hacky sack sort of demonstrations, the happy, hacky yeah. sack competitions while, while they, they were judging. The stage. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it, like, it was like a four-person MC thing. Yeah. Exactly. And so uh, yeah. at some point, someone had complained about some of the language that was being used by these performers that were coming in to fill time. And so Scotty comes out and... He's on a six-foot unicycle, and he says, uh, you know, I heard that there's some complaints about some of the language that has been used throughout the evening, and I just have uh, one thing to say to you. Fuck you. <laughs> it was great. If I believe, if, if, if I, remember, I think it's possible that everybody came out, and, and said, it's, it's, we, I think all the, I think it was, um, we, we really don't want to offend anybody, so I think all, just on behalf of me and all the performers, we'd like to say, and I think everyone but Dan came out. And so I, I just remember it being you on the on the unicycle. Been. Yeah, been. I I could be dreaming because I was like you know I was new into being performed. Yeah. I was like holy shit, like that is yeah. that is bold, and I, some people laughed and I was yeah. like this is crazy. Yeah, solid so stuff. Dan solid hated stuff. that. Dan oh, I'm sure he did. That. And Tim loved it. <laughs> so you both unicycle. Yes. Yes. Are you both unicycle aficionados or is it just like? part of your thing you're not doing the unicycle we're not good at anything no 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 we're not good <laughs> so according to the 1986 edition of on one wheel it says Ooh. you juggle and unicycle to an enthusiastic crowd i have <laughs> i have juggled and unicycle to an enthusiastic and drunk crowd that the police have then pulled away it was wonderful <laughs> So, <laughs> there's a unicycle magazine? There's a unicycle magazine. magazine. <laughs> well, by the way, the wheel. unicyclists are all saying, there's a juggle magazine? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. See, I didn't know that tidbit oh. about you. Oh, yeah, there's you a know, nice I picture will, in it, too. I will give you another Before I arrived tidbit. on the scene. What? So, they were, you know the, the Chinese acrobat act of doing the unicycle with the, uh, the teacups tea yeah. and up onto the head? So, there was a woman who did that act, um, and saw me doing my unicycle bit, which was you know juggling knives and eating an apple. So we're talking, for those of you who are jugglers, we're talking absolutely nothing. Mm -hmm. For those of you who are not jugglers, it's really, really hard and dangerous and <laughs> takes tremendous skill, and I invented it. Um, and she 
did not know much about juggling things, and she was so impressed that I thought, you're juggling and then knives it. It's like this is nothing compared to what you do. This is so much easier. And she was genuinely impressed. Either that or she wanted a green card. I don't know which. <laughs> she but was doing the the the, the, she was doing way, the, way, the teacups yes, on the head thing. With the yeah. finale oh, with, and her finale I believe oh was was the four you plus are one. So talented. Yeah, I believe it was the, the teacup, I mean the tea kettle and the lid and the saucer at the same time. And maybe for, it was either three or four that go up uh, here and all come together. And it's like amazing. On a, on a unicycle. On a, yeah, yeah, on a unicycle. So, so yeah. let's break it. So they, they take one foot off the unicycle, yeah, right? Yeah, all, all, all idling with one foot. And then they put the, the whatever, the teacup on their foot and they kick it in the air and it lands on their head. Right. Correct. Balanced. Then okay. they took a saucer, kick that up. Then they take another teacup and kick that up. And you get it to it's stacked up, I don't know, four, five, six, however many. And then the finale is always some multiple of these, like yeah. a bowl and a cup and a thing and this. And her finale was either a three-piece or a four-piece. It was amazing. And, and, and let's put it this way. As any unicyclist will know, that doing that act compared to uh, juggling knives on a unicycle is much harder. But I will say that it you always are... You're clouded by the by the perspective that you have because I remember I was in a, in a busker festival in Colorado and we work with a circus act that later on went on to win the Monte Carlo thing. They mm -hmm. were exceptionally skilled, much more than Mitchell and I were. And we were sitting at a restaurant and I turn around and on TV, I appear on the TV, one of those news things where they've done a thing, and I was skipping rope on a unicycle. And the woman, it was a guy-girl act, was like, oh my God, you skip rope on a unicycle? And I'm like, I, 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 are you kidding? This is like child's play compared to the thing you do. <laughs> it was, it, I couldn't believe that she was impressed by this lame little trick that I was doing. And, and I mean, I think I, without uh, any false modesty, can say the trick I was doing is a lot easier than the tricks that they were doing. But, but to say one thing in our, in our defense, this was something that uh, Godot said. So um, Michael Godot, um, formerly of Fly By Night, now of Michael Godot, um, longest running featured act, I think, in Las Vegas history in the Lance Burton show, um, owes me a lot of money. Michael, um, was, we were talking like we were both in like a Vegas show at the same time. I think I was in a show called Splash, and he was in the show at the Tropicana at the same time. And I was just marveling at how much better everyone else in the show is at what they do than we are. You know, the, you know, the dancers, they work so much harder yeah. than we do at our thing. I mean, we, you know, we spend the day rock climbing and hanging out and cracking jokes, and then we go into our show, and they're like taking classes and working out and all like this. And the thing he pointed out, he said, yeah, but doing a comedy show, which you think is normal and easy because it's what you do, he says, we spend 24 hours a day on this stuff. We're constantly talking about jokes and mm -hmm. trying to be funny and trying to one-up ourselves, and we've worked on this for decades, that that is a skill. And this is what we tell ourselves at night to try to, you know, so we can sleep at <laughs> night um, and feel better about ourselves because everyone else is better at what they do than we are. And okay. we charge more money Go than they it. do. Well, I think, like, when you're doing comedy, there's a specific response that has to happen for the success yeah. of your act. And when you go out there and dance, you... You, you only get that response at the end. You know? It's only you a joke it. if they laugh. Yeah, yeah. Right? It doesn't matter so, what you put into it. But when you have a, a, you know, six unsuccessful jokes <laughs> in a row, <laughs> then you, you, you can you a lot more. Then, then you're a storyteller. You know, yeah, you know, <laughs> exactly. when you go out there and do uh, you know, dancing to music, yeah. 
you know, the, you wait for the response. Maybe the response doesn't come. You're not as humiliated, yeah. maybe as that standing up there for ten minutes with not one laugh. Well, well one of the things Katrina knows. So, yeah, what you're saying is that we're skilled at taking abuse. <laughs> Essentially, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, when when we do a show to no audience or no audience response, it is painful. When you go and you play drums with a band to no audience or no audience response, it's rehearsal. Yeah. Oh, I, I, you know, come from both angles because I, I do both a lot. And there's no question, the amount of times that I've shown up with a band and looked around and go, oh, thank God I'm not doing comedy here. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, there is a real yeah. difference. And, and I don't think anybody other than people who tell jokes on stage will know how much more fickle comedy is than anything else. It's so much harder. And, and you know, if those of us who've done fairs or any other venue where where it, these parameters can shift so widely from, you know, you're in 105 degrees and there are no people out there and the three, four-age kids who've seen you 10 times and a goat. And, and, goat's and compared to then, yeah. you know, the, the next night they laughing. put you on to open for the headliner and you're killing it. I mean, it's m- so much more fickle than playing music, I think, than most other Well, and that, I, that is nice that there's two of you in a duo. I noticed oh, that from going from, a, from two people to going down to being solo. It's like that's the, when there is nobody laughing, yeah. you can at least banter back and forth or make each other laugh that's or play. So whereas like when it's just solo, it's like... Uh, I've always yeah, been a solo. That, I don't know that joy. Well, yeah, it's brutal. I mean, I hate magicians like you should. Naturally, you know, but in their defense, when you when I picture the life of going around and doing these shows, both both the great shows and the shitty ones, the terrible ones, alone, it must be, you know, drive you crazy. No one, it makes people crazy to do that. Yeah, we have for the good shows, we have someone to share it with. Totally. For the bad shows, we have someone to blame. Exactly. Is wonderful. That's why, as a traveling magician. He gets a lot of texts from me. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and of course, and of course, you're gonna want to brag to your friends about how great and how you killed because there was no one there to share it with. I don't think we ever brag about that. No, I think no, it's we always, it's always, the, always, the always the <laughs> one too. Yeah. yeah, there's also one other thing. It, 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 there's commiserating together, but there's also that y- y- you're going through it with somebody else. Um, if you have the kind of relationship that we do. Um, then you can feel really good that you know this other person is also in pain, and that gives you joy. <laughs> so that's good. But also, I, I think we've had some of those shows yeah. where we worked together. <laughs> but 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 completely honestly on this, I care more about making her laugh than making the audience laugh. And so, if something goes on with, if I can do that, the show is a success. Yeah. Well, and that's I think and I don't know them. So every now and then I perform with my daughter, and my whole goal is to just, oh, that's great. Just make her laugh yeah and those are so much more fun how old is she she's 17 now okay but she's been in the show since you off and on since she was four okay so but that's the goal it was she's there is to make her laugh and the last what year doing virtual shows she's the only person in the room and she knows the show she runs the so the whole goal is to do something do something to make her laugh yeah and, and that affinity that i think we have for each other and for that for the affinity of the absurd, because very often when you, you know, you know when you're going to go out and it's going to be tough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you know the parameters and you look at each other and you go, okay, uh-huh, all right. And that thing of having somebody else who knows, oh, 
All right, we're stepping into yeah. L. Yeah. Okay, good. You're going with me. It's it. I I I've often said that if if Scotty was to keel over and die tomorrow, I think I would find something else to do because I know I'll never have it better. Yeah. Uh, John and Owen of the uh, passings. I'm sorry. Was I supposed to say something back? You were supposed that? to say <laughs> something <laughs> nice here. There's a moment of fucking honesty. Oh, wow. <laughs> that, that'll be that'll be that'll be our mulligan. We can edit it. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get Mitchell to come in. We'll Mitchell, do his voiceover. Where are you? We'll do a voiceover. Miss you. <laughs> Uh, John and Owen, the passing zone, they, they have a, a gesture they do that we learned from them that we love. When you look out in the audience and you know it's not going to go right, and this is what they do. So basically, <laughs> for the, the listening show. audience, you basically put fingers in each other's mouth as if you're pulling the trigger and killing the other person. Right. You just shoot yourselves in the head. And Rich and I had uh, a, a phrase for this, which is, Awful lot of Chinese being spoken out there. <laughs> well, that, that was because you were actually hired for a gig where they were all Chinese. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. We just showed where the whole, you know, where the whole audience was Chinese. There was no English. And Rich said, what's going on? He got, he got, I think he got there late. I had to set up for, you know, he was for some reason. And um, he said, what are we going to do? I said, we're going to suck. Yeah. And then we're going to get paid. Mm-hmm. It's like. It's tough. Awful lot of Chinese being spoken. Do your time. Yeah. We did, we did one, though. We did one where... There was, uh, it was a, wasn't it a Chinese retirement home that we did? And there was, a, and someone was translating our jokes. Yeah, oh, we walked in the and worst. it's like, they were, the they were, we walked so. in and then they said on the way and they said, by the way, they speak no English. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they like, can't hear anyway. us onto the stage. <laughs> and we go, wait, wait what, what did you just say? And so, and there was a translator. And it turned out to be wonderful. Oh, wow. And it was so, like, you could play with the translator, and they were super enthusiastic, and they were just happy we were there. But that's an anomaly. I mean, normally you walk into something like that, and you... You just suck. Have you have you performed in countries that you speak their native language and you have to translate all the jokes? Uh, yeah, I mean, we have a, we've done a bunch of shows where for for corporations where we've where the theme has been some sort of globalization theme, and then we'll utilize and we've done a most commonly it's been that it's been a German audience, and then I'll you know I'll do uh, some bits in German. Yeah. And so no stuff. comedy though. Oh, no, it's all it, where it's like translating, erroneous translation yeah, yeah, yeah. and so on. So we'll do bits about that, but not where I translate, but some where we incorporate me speaking their language. And, yes, and basically, right. you so can you, imagine I razz Scotty in their yeah. language. You've never had to correct the translator. <laughs> Oh, you're like, actually, I, your pronunciation I, I on that is a little... Actually, there was the person in the audience who said they knew how to count to 10 in Danish. Oh, that's <laughs> right. There was a there was a woman. It was performing with Michael Godot, actually. Yeah. This woman. I was doing riffing with the audience, and they were riffing with how do you you know say things in different languages. And this woman goes, "Oh, I can uh, I can count to ten in Danish." And she says something, and it's like I mean, it's nothing Danish. And I said that that's that's good, but that's not Danish. And she insists it's Danish. And I go, "No, it really isn't." And she continues to assist, and Michael Godot just looks at her and goes, Lady, I've got terrible news for you. <laughs> <laughs> this is not your day. Yeah. <laughs> so, there, yeah. Was, there was one joke that we did that I really, really loved um, in multiple languages. The, uh, we've done this a couple of times, but the audience specifically was of people whose job was to translate things into different languages. Um, so it was the globalization managers of all these different companies who came together for their conference. 
And so the structure of the joke was, I just went out and said, good evening, everybody. Welcome to the globalization 1999. And then Katrina you know, translated that into German. And then I said, we're very happy to be here performing for you. And then she translated it into French. And we did this, you know, so it was like a six or seven line thing, and she did six or seven languages of translation, except she wasn't actually saying what I was saying. She was just insulting me. <laughs> um, and you only could get the joke if you spoke yeah. different languages. And so we wrote it, and it's, it was not a short thing. It was not like 30 seconds. It was two minutes. Well, 90 seconds. It was 90 seconds of, of real time. Yeah. And we couldn't try it out anywhere because it could only work here. <laughs> and so we did this in rehearsal, and what Katrina was saying is, do you, I mean, do you really think this is going to work? I go, I have no idea. But it's at least going to be cute. You know, I don't think it's going to die horribly, but it is our opening. It's our yeah. very first thing. Oh, and the way it worked was the laugh moved around the room as it hit yeah. ah. the people, because they didn't all speak all yeah, the languages, yeah. and, it, and you could experience it that they were sort of reverse engineering it in their heads, that when it got to their language, and they heard what she was actually saying, they realized that's what she was saying about me in the other languages previous, yeah. ah. how it built up. And I really, really liked that. That's great. Um, did I'm anyone really raise their hand and go, you didn't do Samoan? <laughs> <laughs> What's the deal? I don't remember. I don't know. Your Danish is horrible. <laughs> you can't even count to 10 yeah. Danish. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that's, uh, going back to having two people on stage, I think there is something that having somebody that you love and trust and you know want to make laugh on stage with you, it allows you to take more risks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like as like I think like I took way more risks in a duo than I do by a solo act because it's like I have this other person here that can like you know I bounce it off of they can they can maybe save the joke if it. Tanks. There's also another way way that it, that you can save yourself from risk. This is something that um, uh, Tim and Robert uh, Wild and James do on, in their cruise ship act, which is they do a joke which is really going to work but is slightly over the line, and then the partner objects to it. Absolutely says you can't sit and yeah. by. And by objecting, the, the, the parent's voice of you shouldn't do that has been heard. Yep. So the complaint has already been yeah. made. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a really cute yeah, it's uh, amazing. structure. To, yeah. I, I also think yeah. that it, from a, a writing perspective, I think it's much, it, it's much better because you can write in dialogue. So, yeah. so you now have, the, insofar as that comedy is a, is a communication tool, there's, I'm standing on stage telling stories about myself or jokes but we have the we talk to each other we talk to the audience there's the, the relation goes in in many more different directions than you can do solo so so i think it's it's certainly easier to write for a duo yeah. act there's also a tense difference solo act um, in that th this is less true of of magicians and jugglers but it, but true of stand-ups most stand-up is telling stories in the past so you're telling you're you're always speaking about something that happened in the past our acts, you know, are all about what's happening now, mm. the, the trick that could go wrong now, not yeah. that this went wrong before. And the fight that's happening, you know, in the joke between us, it's not us telling a story about a fight. We're fighting now. Yeah. And there's some, I, I mean, obviously it's more immediate. It's happening now. Yeah. Because immediate and now are synonyms. <laughs> synonyms means two words that mean the same thing. Um, <laughs> As opposed to homonyms, which is two. Does he have to be here? Did I have to do it with much. him? Was that a long drive in just for that? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, I lined yeah. up for okay. that. I was just <laughs> Did he get distracted? No, no. 
What were you saying? No, I was genuinely interested in the story, mm-hmm. and then at the end I thought, wait a minute, I can say something insulting. <laughs> I should. Tell us about the Shake It Shake It Booty Band. Shake It Booty Band. Oh, oh, it's my oh, it's my my heart blood. It's like a you know a, a, a an all girl uh, party band that I play in, and uh, we you know play locally, you know, festivals and clubs. Do you ever get like booked that. to do your act and then also the Shake It Booty <laughs> yes, Band? Yes, we have. Oh, really? As a matter of fact, we have. And that, and I've, I've also done it with a jazz band where we emceed a theater show and I did both the oh, warm-up music great. and backed up the other acts. That It's hard. They're that's, like, that drummer looks familiar. <laughs> yeah, I've done, yeah, I've done it. And we've emceed like a casino where then I would run back play and I was on stage for like six hours straight. Jeez. Wow. And ne- uh, it makes maybe it was so four talented. hours, but but it but this band is like they're all my friends. So uh, I mean I play in a lot of jazz bands and stuff and and lovely people. But these 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 group of women are like you know buds. We hang out, we party, and then we play music. Yeah, I mean it's like it's like Scotty. But women, so better. <laughs> but they compliment you as opposed to constantly insult you. <laughs> I they're nice to me constantly. Just so, because that's a, always a good setup that you can then reverse. <laughs> I'm going to try and crowbar this in. Yes. One of the cool things about the Moisture Festival is after the show, the whole backstage wow. compliments you when you get off stage as well as the audience. Yeah, that's about. true. It's <laughs> a lovely festival. Now, how did you all end up in the festival? We loved Moisture Festival. So Katrina would have had a rule about shows. That, it had, that there are three things you want from a show. You want a good audience, a good hang, and good money. You need, if anytime you have two of those... I didn't come up with this experience. rule, by the way. It's, it's a common rule in yeah. music. I think that it's, you know, yeah. it's not my make But I think it's a very good rule to live right. by. And Moisture Festival has two of those in spades. So mm-hmm. much so, so much so. Um, Moisture Festival is the only place that I drink. Ah. Because after you do the show, you get that little drink ticket for yep. a glass of wine... And I always redeemed it because it's like I wanted to reward myself even though I don't care about wine or anything. But I had my drink ticket and I wanted to take it. And having the meal with the other performers there and staying at people's houses instead of hotels. Oh, I love Moisture Festival. And the, and the audiences were the best. Yeah. Oh, the best audiences. Oh, yeah. my goodness. And it was, it was uh, uh, we, were, um, we, you know, we were staying with Tim. Uh, yeah, you know, for some of it. Yeah, I think it was Tim who got us involved. Tim first. Yeah, yeah Tim yeah, first. Yeah. yeah, that's that's who got us into it. I think. I and you knew him from the, his flying Karamazov days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've I've known him forever. Yeah, basically. And so, what does that sales pitch to you sound like? You know, you guys work high end trade shows, and then you get this phone call that's like, "Hey, guys." No, I think it went the other way. I think we begged him to do it. Oh, really? I, I no, think. no. I think you. Uh, the way I recall it is that you begged me to do it because for me, <laughs> it was right. like uh, I, I, I re, you know, I mean, we we're on the road a lot, yeah. obviously, not now. <laughs> yeah. But we were, and it was like this thing of being away from the wife for, yeah. you know, what moisture festival pays i didn't really want to do it and scotty was like it would be really fun to do it. and i was like oh okay and then it was great yeah. and it really was it was really wonderful so if there's any other performers who have missed doing it you should do it yeah it, it i mean we're very lucky that we live in seattle that yeah. we get to see all these performers like, oh, that's in our the backyard thing. like fantastic acts and that was the other thing is that it was just this thing of you get to watch variety acts in their natural habitat where mm-hmm. often when we watch variety acts, and as somebody who for many years, especially when I work with Mitch, did 
mostly fairs, you see people in environments that sometimes are really hard. They're not made for shows. Yeah, yeah. difficult, yeah. and, and that has yeah. its own merit, and there's some good stuff there, but the, the Moisture Festival is like these wonderful, appreciative audiences, and yeah. you get to see variety acts that are so good, and it made me like really proud to be a variety act. It mm-hmm. was like all that stuff. And you've, you're hanging out with these people who share this really strange life that you do, and that's just, that's just wonderful to, yeah. have, to have that tribe. Yeah. Is, is, you ever thought about doing that in San Francisco or, or has that ever had something similar here in San Francisco? Because there's, there's a much larger concentration of variety performers here than there is in Seattle. And there's a theater here yeah. that, that you could do it at. The, uh, Paul Nathan runs the Great Star Theater in Chinatown, which has just reopened, which we're performing at with Jonathan and Ann, the Daredevil Chicken oh, Club. Oh, sweet. And yes, the final nice. weekend in July. Come see us. Yeah, let, let, so let's, let's repeat that. We are in San Francisco at the Great Star Theater, July 30th and 31st. Buy tickets. With the Daredevil Chicken Club. Yeah. Jonathan Gold. Taylor. 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 And Gold. Taylor. But to answer your question, um, absolutely not. Um, in terms of organizing uh, something like that in San Francisco, I think it would be great, and we would not do it. We don't organize things. Mm. We, uh, you know, I, I, I think that this is fair. I think it's fair to, uh, for me to speak f- t- uh, for you for this. Correct me if I'm wrong. You always do. Um, we don't plan anything. We don't have like any long-term goals or anything like that. We just work really, really hard on the next show that's on the books. And we've just done that for 40 years. 30 for you. You're yeah, we're both uh, very much share life philosophy that these ideas, that it's, that it's detrimental to, uh, to, to good mental health to have big dreams. <laughs> Uh, because you can only get disappointed. Yeah. So, you know, many goals of let's have a good time. Let's do a good show next week. Let's try to be the best at this thing. And it may, maybe it's not served as well, but I think it ha- in terms of, you, you know, making it to the next level as an act, but it has served us great. Well, yeah. I in mean, our happiness together. Well, but and your careers are amazing. I mean, I think you've achieved status that a lot of performers would try to. Obtain. I hope yeah, so. Yeah, but that's that's just because they don't know what our lives actually are. <laughs> <laughs> um, but sure. but it, but it's been a it, I've 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 loved this life and I've loved mm. this career. Um, and you know, it's been you know great fun, great learning. It's been very lucrative. Yeah, I liked it. Well, you guys are you're amazing yeah. at what you do. Why? Yeah. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. <laughs> I mean, we we <laughs> we try and we think it. But what we definitely think about is that that. This idea of having some uh, uh, gratitude towards the next little thing you do. If I I performed, for example, the Yuma County Fair since you brought it up, mm-hmm. and I remember standing on stage with Scotty on this tiny little stage, and it takes you like ten hours to drive there from here. It is and, the world's smallest stage. And yeah. it's a tiny yeah. little stage, and having a blast, yeah. and just looking out there at that audience and going, "This is all I've ever wanted from my career." Having a nice crowd that laughs at my jokes and, you know, being there with Scotty, yeah. having a good time and having a bus full of other performers who hang out between shows. That's all I want. Yeah. Now, since you don't look toward the future, <laughs> you don't have goals. <laughs> what it's, it's really, that's really, really true. Yeah. So, I mean, what, I guess I don't know how I'd ask what is next for you guys. Uh, let's see. We're performing at the Great Star Theater <laughs> on July yeah. 29th and the 30th with the Daredevil. 30th and 31st. July 30th. Don't show up on the 29th. Do not come on the 29th. 
So it's Friday and Saturday the last weekend. Get tickets now or a time machine. Yes, yeah. one of the two, depending <laughs> on when you're listening to no, I buy tickets yes. after. Still if this airs afterwards, then. Yeah. <laughs> now, you write custom scripts for these corporations. Do you ever have a script that just is like you think is going to be gold or a gag <laughs> that oh. just completely... The client's like, what oh, the hell the, was that? Oh, sh- what the, sh- like, oh sure. But what, what very often happens is that you, you don't know I mean, until you do it, and then you start editing. But the thing about when you do it, if you do it in a format where it's a training session, then you're hosed because you only have one shot at yeah. doing it. But if it's a if it's a trade show, you're doing eight shows that day, gotcha. and you just start editing on the fly. You find out what jokes don't, what, what jokes are not working, what will work, and cut out sections and move them around or whatever. And just like and just like any comic, I mean, you just you, you have to have the the poise and the experience to die gracefully yeah. and, and to do that. You've you've opened up for a ton of people, a laundry list of people. Yeah. Is there anybody that you're like? We're so excited to perform for or ahead of or with. We both have we both have that. You're, I oh mean, yeah. uh, for for me, uh, the we we opened a bunch of shows for Willie Nelson, and it was not. But I was not particularly a, a country fan. But what I what I have never met a nicer bunch of people. That was that was a great yeah bunch of shows. I got to with Rich Ross got to open for the Smothers Brothers. Oh, nice! They're my comic heroes, yeah. and that meant everything. And they do they do an opening joke where they talk about their where they say something about mm-hmm. the opening act is, is in the setup, so they act like they're your the, the line sounds like they're your friend and hanging out. And I oh, that just <laughs> made my night. That was so great. Yeah, that is, they are amazing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, that's, so that's, that's great. You that's guys, that's I mean that. Listen, listening to um, Boil That Cabbage Down was like, that's how you write jokes. <laughs> and our, our, our routine in our show, which is our juggling contest, clubs and knives, anything you do with those, I'll do with these. And then, we, and then she insults me for you know, <laughs> five minutes. Um, is, structure, is just Boil That Cabbage Down. Yeah. That's what that routine is, yeah. uh, you know, where it came from. That's amazing. Yeah. And like, because people don't know the, who the Smothers Brothers are. Like, because I'm 40, and I think that is rare that people my age know who the Smothers Brothers is. I don't think people younger. No, definitely are, not. Yeah, like you don't, and you don't really even see comedy teams anymore. Yeah, yeah, no, no, that's it's, a rarity. It's, it's rare. very unusual. It, yeah. it, Scott, the Sklar Brothers. Sklar Brothers. Um, the there's the, the no, other. I mean, the you other see twins some like, like they, but uh, they, they t- would be different kinds. Like uh, the. Uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Tommy Chong used to work with his wife. Peel and uh, Keen. Keen and Peel. Yeah, but, but they weren't. But they were but doing they, a TV show. They but were, they were doing a TV show. Yeah. Exactly. It, was it was the different. trio with Michael Ian Black and. Oh, oh yeah. and the fly, fly of the con. Fly of the con. The they're, they're, yeah, yeah, yeah. they're they're a variety act. Yeah, you just in, but in you don't way. see the two person comedy duo like you used to see no. back no. in the day. And so it's, it's cool that you're keeping it alive. And it's a lot of because we're old. Yeah. When we were started out, that's how people did it. But I mean, there's, there's a couple of reasons. One is it's out of fashion, you know, just, just the thing. The other thing is comedy is a, for so many people, is, is a on-ramp or a road to try to become a, a, an actor, a television mm-hmm. star, a movie star. And you don't do that as a pair. That's a solo thing. And then you split the money. Yeah. And there is no doubt that any show... You know, we we would be paid less if we were soloists, but we wouldn't be paid half. We would yeah. make more money as soloists, and I would be much less happy. <laughs> Aw, that's a compliment. 
Yeah, and see, I didn't do a punchline on you. I let that wow. sit, learn. We all just... I'm, I'm just tearing up it, We just let bit. it all sink in. I, was, I noticed you didn't say anything back, though. You didn't think it or nothing. just kind of sat there. No, no, no. I was just sitting here being bitter. No, I was sitting here being bitter about me having emoted earlier and you stomping on it. That's all. So it's like, ah, I'm going to let him sit there. Now I'm going to edit out that you emitting earlier so he should seem like <laughs> yeah, just more of a dick. <laughs> That's so funny. So if people want to find you, comedyindustries.com, scottyandtrink.com. Yeah. Because we are terrible at branding. Yeah, so That's we why have we two have names. two names. <laughs> I think they're good. They both had separate information. Yes. Yeah. They're, they're, I mean, yeah. it's it's because it was hard to market ourselves as the production company in corporate world. We would show up at festivals as comedy industries, and they would change our names. There was a com- there were some fairs that were just refused to use that name. They said, we're not going to do this. And they and they billed us as, let's juggle team. Yeah. And we Things said, like okay, I'd go see I that over comedy that. industries. <laughs> <laughs> so so we, we just decided, okay, we, we got to be both. Yeah. So. Well, thank you so much for coming out to Berkeley to... Do our podcast? Awesome. Yeah, yeah awesome you guys, this you was guys. awesome. Thank we you for the talk about us. Oh, we love talking about us. <laughs> oh, that's cool. like therapy. Awesome, thank, thank you. you. Hey folks, want to thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. Real quick, the Moisture Festival is dedicated to keeping the ticket prices to shows affordable, and they do that by relying on individual donations. You can donate financially or volunteer. To get more information, go to themoisturefestival.org and click on the contribute button. You'll get all the deets there. Absolutely. And if you want to just follow the Moisture Festival, you can do that on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or you can just go loiter outside of the Palladium <laughs> at Hales Ales. That's a way that you can follow them. If you want to find out more information on Louie and I, we also do a podcast on our own called The Odd and Off Beat podcast that's where we talk about strange news stories of the day you can hear us chat about all things weird absolutely you can do that on and off beat.com or wherever you get your podcasts if you want to find out about us individually where we're performing at you can find louie at louiefox.com and that's with two x's and matt's at comedy that's spelt regularly <laughs> <laughs> so we would like to thank you so much for listening so much for your time and we hope to see you at the moisture festival soon be well Thank you for listening to Moisture Festival Podcast and stay moist.